Women Taking the Lead, episode 211. I think it's just another extension of being kind. And that is something, or I always, in my head, because I'm, I'm sort of a geek, and I always go back to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know, where it's like, be excellent to each other. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Have you grabbed your copy of my best-selling book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash accomplished to access the secrets to achievement and success. Now, your future awaits. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Kara Snyder, who is the strategist over at VitalCore, a health and lifestyle studio located at the three-way intersection of functional health, self-care, and strategic action. Additionally, she's the creator host of the VitalCore Salon podcast. Serving frazzled type A women since 2009, Kara deconstructs the broken processes in her clients' lives, investigates why they might not feel so great, and co-creates actionable steps towards a healthier life, a life spiked with passion and slathered with joy. Kara, you are like a partner in crime, though we are still discovering that. Um, it's such an honor to have you on Women Taking the Lead, because one thing you and I have chatted about is my community is chock full of type A women. So they are definitely going to want to hear more about you and what you have to offer. So why don't you kick us off with telling us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings? Wow. Thanks for having me, Jody. First off, this is such a great opportunity. And I love that we we have a tribe of type A women between us. And, you know, I would say also we have in common for the listeners that don't know that we were talking about this beforehand, that we both come from central Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So I was born and raised in a small town called Spencer, which is near Old Sturbridge Village, which seems to be the linchpin um, <laughs> of where everyone that knows anything about New England or outside of New England has been to Sturbridge Village. Um, so I grew up near there. And, you know, I always joked when I when I went to college later that I came from a town where the diversity was mostly French Catholic versus Irish Catholic. And, you know, I think I had four farms on my street. So there were a lot more cows than people in my neighborhood. And so that's kind of, you know, where I started out. But I I think as, as a kid and as an only child, I always liked connecting people. And looking back, I, I realized that showed up in, in this really funny way where by like first or second grade, I had a couple of pen pals. Like I think, I think I met my my pen pal Karen in South Africa where you could send a dollar into this ad in the back of a magazine. You know, it was like a big deal. I was putting a dollar in the mail to like and answer some questions and they would match you up to someone. And, you know, by first or second grade, I was already corresponding with someone in South Africa and someone in England and, you know, waiting to get the mail every day. And I I think that's something that's that's continued, you know, over the years because what I do now as a health and lifestyle strategist, I mostly work with frazzled type A women, but my business or my my health and lifestyle strategy practice is called Vital Core. And that's about rallying women around a common cause, literally vital core. And, you know, that same sense of connection and trying to draw women 
out and bring them together is something that still bleeds through in my work. And uh, the work you're doing is just amazing because one thing I do want to add too is it's almost like we're at different stages of how we work with the women we work with because we work in similar areas, but I'm, I tend to be more on the preventative side. And you were mentioning to me that, you know, you work with women who are just burnt out, like experiencing health issues, not good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I joke, you know, depending on where I am and someone asks me what I do, my answer a lot of the time is I help frazzled type A women get their shit together. Mm -hmm. And that is partly figurative. Like, you know, one of the other things about me as a kid is I would read everything not nailed down. So my mom would go to these conferences for work or have a training and bring home all these books like Stephen Covey's Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. You know, I think I was reading Michael Hammer's re-engineering the, the, the corporation by the time I was like in seventh or eighth grade. And, you know, that has sort of helped me kind of look at how to just get yourself so organized that you can find the time to take care of yourself. Because a lot of the women that come to me are doing so many things in terms of their career, being a head of household, sometimes both, that they are just burning out. So sometimes we have to figuratively get the shit together and and figure out how they can manage their time to even begin to peel back the layers of looking at more of like the functional nutrition stuff that I work with my clients on. Yeah, and I'm sure that it goes through definitely goes through stages of like triage <laughs> and then moving more into getting them, you know, to maintain a healthy lifestyle and you know, Kara, I love what you're doing. And I, you know, and I always love women who like are in this place where they're established, right? So they're making a name for themselves, they're experiencing success. But then of course, one of the first things I like to do on this podcast is take them back to a low moment, you know, you know, just for fun. Um, you <laughs> know, like a little triggering on an afternoon chat. <laughs> yeah, you know, just poke somebody where it hurts, you know, but it's that it's those human experiences that we really connect over and where where we form, form bonds and where people, you know, start to relate to each other, because we can all identify with that those moments. And I, I call them playing small moments. I took it from the Marianne Williamson quote, um, where she talked about your playing small does not serve the world. And, you know, there are those moments where we're, you know, and they can last more than moments. They could be like a time in our life when we just like were filled with self-doubt or we didn't recognize how powerful and how capable we were. Um, and so we hold ourselves back. But it's always nice that we get to a point where we can look back and go, okay. I see where it is, but then we're up against the next one too. So Kara, if you could share w one of your playing small moments, the story around it and the lessons you've learned. Yeah, I, I had to think about this a lot um, getting ready for this interview. And it's it's funny when I, when I looked back and thought of moments that I just wasn't playing an A game, so to speak. One of the ones that that comes to mind is not negotiating my first job out of school. And for the listeners, I've, I've been a health and lifestyle strategist since 2009, but for many years from the time I graduated college, um, you know, for the next probably like 15 years or so, I was actually a CPA and I was doing trouble debt restructuring and bankruptcy work. So hostile, long hours, mostly with men, um, 
turning around companies that that called us, trying to save them, but it, at least turning them around or or holding their hand through bankruptcy. So it was incredibly stressful and chaotic work, and it took it took a certain skill set. And I was fortunate enough to to get a good job after graduating and go right into one of the the large firms, and. I grew up in the small town of Spencer, and I was the first generation to go to college sort of like right after high school. Like my parents, around the time I was going back to college, started taking classes at night, each of them in in their respective fields. But I was the first one to really do it in a traditional way. And, you know, going to a large university and interviewing with, you know, at the time it was Price Waterhouse. And then by my senior year, it, be, it became PricewaterhouseCoopers. So interviewing with like the largest accounting and consulting firm in the world as a first generation student, college student from a small town, I had no idea that I could negotiate because, you know, one, it was this big honor to have this big prestigious job. And, you know, the school itself was like, you're one of the lucky ones, like you got the internship and now you have the job going into senior year. Aren't you grateful? And it was really positioned like, you know, that it wasn't my effort necessarily. I mean, it was my effort, but that it was this honor. And and to me that there was like a parenthetical that maybe didn't exist for other kids that take what they give you, like you're getting an offer for this really fantastic job and you won't have to worry about continuing to interview through your senior year. So just take what they give you. And what I found out a few years later, one of my good friends who also worked in the same division had, and he's a dude, had let me know that he started at about $8,000 more a year than me. And when you tack on you know, percentage increases and bonuses and things like that that are often calculated as as some multiple of your salary, I was way behind. <laughs> and that was incredibly disappointing. And I think once I I I learned that, it it made me a really fierce negotiator. And I'm sure any of my clients listening that don't know that story are are probably like eyes are bugging out in disbelief because I am so fierce about women negotiating for themselves and and giving them the skill set to really help them how figure out how to make changes. Yeah, Kara, this has been a theme on the podcast that, you know, we take the experiences in which we we didn't feel good. We came out on the other side being like, that sucked. I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. And all of a sudden it becomes part of our, our leadership, you know, and and what we teach other people and, and who we are as a leader, you know, it, like the experience sucked, but because of that experience, you now are surrounded by women who you will not let, <laughs> you know, Oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, them not negotiate like that. That is just a natural part of it, but you can also say why, you know, and give them the skills to do it. So as much as it stinks to go through it at the time, my goodness, it becomes such a part of us and what we then give back to other people. Absolutely. All right, Kara, now I would like you to share another story. And this is 
of a time in your life where you had a wake-up call. It could either have been like a light bulb moment, that aha moment, or it could have been a slow awakening. But in either case, there's usually a moment where you're ready to take action. So if you could, tell us the story that led up to that moment of action and the steps you took that led to your success. Got it. So this this story is actually how it was sort of the nexus for me deciding that I was no longer going to work in finance and eventually become the health and lifestyle strategist that I am now. And that was, you know, definitely over a long process and going back to school and going through different training. But one of the biggest wake up calls for me, it, it's sort of two parts here. So in order for me to serve type A women, it, I always joke that it takes one to know one, right? Like, so I am in fact a type A woman and probably, I mean, I think I had a Franklin planner by the time I was in like sixth or seventh grade. So I, you know, have always been really about my schedule and about my contacts and goal setting and things like that, which probably made me the weirdest kid ever to any adult around me at the time. But I brought that kind of energy into college. I brought that energy into my first job and then my first job took that energy. I mean, I was working 98% of the time. I was traveling 98% of the time. I was working many weeks, 80 to 100 hours a week. You know, I've slept on conference room floors or like face planted on a fax machine um, for anyone who still remembers those. But that led to a deep and humiliating breakdown of my digestive system. Um, I was struggling behind the scenes constantly, um, mostly with IBSD, IBS with diarrhea, Mm -hmm. um, which meant on top of the grueling work schedule and the travel and everything else, I was using my energy and my attention to triangulate the closest bathroom at any given moment anywhere. And that was like its own level of depleting and it exhausted. And I was that was getting increasingly worse until I actually had an accident as I was racing to catch an airplane. And I, I managed to fling myself on the airplane before I missed the flight and before they closed the boarding door. But between getting from the front of the airplane to the bathroom and the back of the airplane, I was impeded by this one woman who I think was going to take my, my, I think she thought I was trying to get her space in the overhead instead of trying to get to the bathroom and just really blocked my path. And I literally shit my pants on an airplane wearing a suit as a grown woman, working professional woman. And so that was a huge wake up call to me because there is nothing like having to come back from a moment like that uh, to really rock you at your your existential foundation. (laughs) Right. It (laughs) It changes you. It very much changed me, but it was another example of where I played small because I kind of packed up that moment and like put it in a black box and kicked it to the bottom of the ocean, never to be heard from again for about 10 years, Mm. Um, never telling anyone. And also at the time, really trusting my doctor that doctors could fix anything and everything and coming and this is sort of the, the second part of that moment coming to the realization that I deserve to be heard as a participant and actually the owner of my health. Um, You know, I was continually going to the doctor and telling her about the symptoms, you know, in carefully veiled terms because I didn't want to reveal that I had had the accident that I had Mm. because it was just so shameful and humiliating at the time. And, 
you know, not feeling like I had a partner, not feeling like, you know, I was just being handed prescriptions that I didn't want to take and asking, is there another way? Is there something else I can do? And just constantly being told, well, not really, you know, just these prescriptions, we can manage the symptoms. And, you know, it was one of those like New York moments where I like walked out of her office and I like tore up the prescriptions and threw them in the trash out, you know, on the corner. And this was in New York at the time. So I came out of like her office, which was in a hospital and sort of walked one block crying, walked another block, sort of like, wait a minute, this is like, wait, what, what's her stake in the game? And kind of thinking like, thinking about like, you know, how she might be limited as a doctor to what tools she could use. And then the third block really just like tearing up these prescriptions, throwing them in the trash and getting on the subway and being like, nope, I'm going to have to do this myself. (laughs) Mm. So again, another horrible experience that was a wake up call for you that you also now have brought into the work you do with your clients, because one of the things I know you're doing with your clients is helping them to own their health. Absolutely. And, and especially digestive issues. And, you know, Jody, I have to laugh, like you were saying, like the work kind of like we sort of attract the work for years. I never, ever told another living soul about that story Mm -hmm. and about that moment on the plane, especially. And one by one, I was attracting these clients who when, when, when we would get to the digestive section of like my intake form, you know, and when we were talking about it and I would say, you know, how's your digestion? you know, you could hear the hesitancy. And I was like, finally, you know, with a couple of clients that were really hesitant, I was like, look, I've pooped my pants on an airplane. Like, I I get it. I get how bad this can be. But like, I can't help you fix it if we can't talk about it. And one by one, I was a true who, you know, without saying anything, I was attracting these clients that had very similar experiences. Yeah. Man, it's so it's so wild what we can do to ourselves when we're not paying attention to the signs when we're so driven. And, you know, you and I chatted about this, that, you know, like being type A, we we are unique creatures. Like there's a lot of strengths to being type A, but we can also be our own worst enemies. And one of the worst things we can do to ourselves is ignore the signs, ignore our health, ignore fun. You know, because we're, we're absolutely so driven to achieve. I hate when people ask me what I do for fun. I'm like, everything's fun. Leave me alone. <laughs> 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 but I know that's one area that I tend to ignore. And it takes effort for me to be like, am I having fun? You know, I need to think about that. But it, it does get to, to I, I call them like spike points where it's like, okay, there's a huge need for fun right now. <laughs> like I need to <laughs> do something different. But, you know, these these are the things that, that teach us and and that we can pass on to other people because without those experiences and your commitment to help other women, a lot of these women would be living in shame themselves, wondering, you know, just thinking there's something wrong with their body and not that there's anything that they could do about it. Yeah. And feeling, feeling stuck. I mean, what I also recognize now, especially working with type A women, the last thing they want to do is call a coach sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like the last thing they want to do is sort of stick up what they consider this this white flag and say that they need help. But what I found is the the level of burnout that type A women will sort of work themselves into and like how physically banged up their bodies are yet not so banged up that they actually can receive a diagnosis. So it's 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 interesting like I sort of work now in the same space I was in, 
you know, around the time I realized my doctor was going to be of zero help to me, Mm -hmm. you know, just she didn't have the tools. Like she couldn't talk to me about diet. She couldn't talk to me really about exercise. You know, she couldn't talk to me about stress management. She certainly wasn't talking to me about sleep, which I was getting, you know, practically zero at that point in my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it also, because this is a great segue, leads into your leadership style, right? Because our leadership style, you know, I I just, I I know I hammer this home, but it's so important for everyone to get. It's like, it comes from your personality, your strengths, your your past experiences, those things that happen to you, you bring into how you interact with other people now. And so, Carol, how would you describe your leadership style? So communication and creating a safe place for people to express themselves or their opinions is something that's incredibly important to me. You know, and I think whether it be in the sessions I do or whether it be if I'm, you know, volunteering or or on a board or part of a team in some way, I think it's really important to kind of recognize you know, the process leading up to when, when you're interfacing with me, like thinking about, you know, like when, like, for example, if I'm volunteering on a board and we have the meetings on like a Tuesday night at eight o'clock or something like that, you know, kind of recognizing like, okay, everybody coming in is probably going to be hungry, which is going to distract them. Everybody coming in has probably been on the go since at least eight o'clock in the morning and doing all sorts of things and and maybe traveling in. And so thinking about like when I structure meetings or experiences, kind of recognizing those things and how they're going to play into it and sort of working with it instead of, you know, trying, trying to create a safe, a safe space that's like nourishing, Mm -hmm. right? Like recognizing like, okay, have a snack have, even if it's a small snack, have a snack available for people in case they haven't eaten yet, you know, recognize that they're going to come in and be kind of blustery, like give everyone a couple minutes, encourage them to get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or, you know, things like that, like make it comfortable so that then everyone can communicate in a really productive and a little bit more relaxed way. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like being, having a nurturing leadership style, being supportive, meeting people where they are is huge. huge. Yeah. I must think of it like considering user experience, you, you know, mm-hmm. not, not in that sort of website development kind of way, but in just like how do people interface with the space and kind of thinking about that as, as kind of this, you know, it, this other aspect, this other dimension of the meaning that's often ignored. Mm-hmm. And it goes a long way. Like I know just from the workshops I've done, like based on whether it's first thing in the morning or right after lunch, the same workshop looks very different. Because yes. <laughs> pe- because people's needs in the morning are very different from what they need, you know, right after lunch in the afternoon. So, you know, and if you ignore that, you know, and just think, hey, this is the same thing, no matter what, no matter who's in the room, no matter what time of day, like, wow, you're going to lose people. So having that sensitivity to meet people where they are can make a big difference in your ability to achieve your goals. Yeah. And I I think it's just another extension of being kind. And that is something, or I always, in my head, because I'm I'm sort of a geek and I always go back to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure you know, where it's like, be excellent to each other. And I I think 
thinking about the experience that I want people to have with me ahead of time is important. And then also taking that one step further in the meeting, like there's a lot of times in client sessions or in meetings or, you know, I think I'm starting to reach a point in my career now where we're I've, I've taught classes for integrative nutrition, for example, and sometimes I can tell when my class is coming up in the curricula because I'm starting to get to a place where I'm bombarded by student emails that are like, hey, I'd love to talk to you and have you tell me how to start my business. And, you know, I'm thinking that's an amazingly huge question, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, with, um, you know, and recognizing like those those kind of brain picking moments, you know. I don't want to say, I, I obviously, I can't say yes to every single one of those requests and recognizing like in those moments, you can say no, honestly, and, and openly and kindly. And, you know, I, I try to think in those moments, like how I'm really careful about like, I, I want to encourage people and I want to mentor people, but I, I also like to sleep, take showers and go to the bathroom in a given day. And if I said yes to everything, like that wouldn't happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Kara, what's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Yeah, well, th- there's three main spheres to Vital Core, And one is the one-on-one coaching that I've sort of touched on at different points. The other is the podcast called Le Vital Core Salon, which is a home for frazzled type A women, imposters, and overscheduling addicts. Um, but the, the third piece is something I've been working on for probably the last seven or eight months now is called the 33 K task list project. And I know I touched on earlier that I have been kind of a productivity geek since probably seventh grade was when I definitely had my first Franklin planner, um, with its little leather bound and goal setting and, and schedule and all sorts of stuff. Um, but the 33 K task list project is me recognizing over the last seven years of working with clients one-on-one, the absolute angst or excitement. I, I see people talk about their task lists, you know, and that wrestling between all of the obligatory stuff that we need to do and all of the stuff that we deeply desire doing, but don't seem to get to sometimes. And you know, and that could be something as easy as like, did I get eight glasses of water today? Or it could be change my whole career or get rid of my spouse. Um, you know, the, the, the breadth of what's on that, that list can be in many different directions. But this project is my attempt at an art installation eventually. So what I'm doing is collecting 33,000 handwritten original task lists from women around the world and hoping to, and I, I would love to say in the next five years, be able to create a, a large-scale art installation using those task lists. And, you know, and during the collection process, also shifting the conversation around obligation and desire and the stress that we experience when when those two things are not in balance. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about strengths and weaknesses. Like a task list can be salvation or it can be like the slave master. <laughs> yes, I've seen it go both ways. Like, And I, I have to say, as I've been talking to individual women about this project and just telling them what my mission is, 
you see immediately like people's responses pick up like they they stand up straight or sit up straight and they're like let me tell you about my task list (laughs) (laughs) i love it oh kara well on the flip side of things talking about strengths and weaknesses what would you say is your biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now so The 33K task list Mm. (laughs) project is definitely a challenge in its own right, just the sheer volume and getting the word out. I mean, conservatively speaking, I'm guessing to collect 33,000 task lists, I'm probably going to have to talk to about 3.3 million women, right? Um, So that is certainly a a challenge, but a, a business challenge that I've really been struggling with behind the scene for the last few years is what I call the secret weapon, <laughs> my, my secret weapon problem. And for me, I'm, I'm recognizing the type of clients that I attract are often really successful women, right? I mean, their, their type A skills help them parlay a, a really robust and successful career. Um, they're coming to me because they don't feel that great anymore. They're exhausted. They're, they're having some hormonal issues. They're having some digestive issues. And so what I've realized is my clients make amazing references. So when I have a a new client reach out to me and say, can I talk to any of your past clients? I have a bevy of people that I can send them to that are like, yeah, don't even tell me, just send people my way and I'll let them, I'll share about my experience. But I don't see the referrals. And I went back, um, I think it was early, mid last year and just, I was kind of looking at like, what is, what comes up in the work that I'm doing with women? What, what are we working on? What are the challenges that we, we took apart in our time together? And literally I kept seeing as I went back through like all of their notes and intake forms and things they've sent me, literally, I think I stopped counting at five or six different people, but literally I just kept seeing the words, you're my secret weapon secret weapon, secret Mm. weapon. Mm -hmm. And all I could think was like, I don't want to be a secret anymore. And so that's definitely something that's, that's on my list to kind of sit with this year and figure out like, how can I, how can I be the not so secret weapon anymore? (laughs) Nice. I love it. All right, Kara, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So in one or two sentences, tell us what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? hands down meditation, daily meditation. What advice would you give your younger self? (laughs) Chillax. Everyone else feels like an imposter too. So stop overthinking, overworking and over planning everything. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Um, I don't know why this one is exactly coming to mind, but it's one that I've been tossing over recently. And it's a, it's a quote from Colette. And the quote is, you will do foolish things, but do them with enthusiasm. Um, and I think that one, I think that one has come to me, you know, over the past six months or so, especially as I work on the 33 K task list project. Um, you know, I guess one in part, like, will people understand how it's a result of, of, or an extension of the work that I'm already doing? And two, you know, will people think I'm a, a, an absolute nut for trying to collect this giant amount of task lists and make art with it? 
And lastly, Kara, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Yeah, so two ways. If you're on Facebook, the best way is to follow me at VitalCore. So that's V-I-T-A-L-C-O-R-P-S. Or I invite you to come make yourself cozy in my digital home at www.vitalcorepswellness.com. Love it. And for those of you on the go, you know you can find all the links and resources Kara shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Kara, thank you so, so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us for sure. We are all better for having met you. Thanks so much, Jody, And thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Before we say goodbye, I want to give a huge shout out to Millie Welsh at Zebra Lab Web Solutions. She does the hosting for the Women Taking the Lead website, as well as the SEO and payment solutions. So if you need help with any of these things, contact Millie at zebralubwebsolutions.com. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.